0: Welcome to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and I'm your host Jason Cook. and today and every Thursday we've got in the studio with us Peter Watts. Welcome Peter. Oh,
1: well, thank you Jason. Hello everyone. It, it sounds like you're almost lost for words there for a moment. Well Peter. that's
0: rare indeed. <laughs> Very though. unusual for you. <laughs> Very unusual. So Peter what have you been up to in the last week?
1: Um what have I been up to? Um just the work, regular work just generally regular. and seeing lots of people we're running a program actually um, it's um, a program at uh, Rosny uh, at the moment called the Conquer Series and uh, it's uh, a program designed to help men with the challenge of internet pornography and uh, you know, it's everywhere, and so we're, we're helping men to live with uh, integrity online uh, in a, an age where um, internet pornography kind of comes looking for you. You know, in the old days, maybe people went looking for it. Mm. But, uh, it, it's yeah, so we've been doing that, and, yeah. Um, yeah. And
0: I was going to ask you another question. What do you like to do in your spare time?
1: Well, um, I like walking. I generally walk most mornings. wasn't out this morning because i have radio i
0: I actually went for a short walk before i came into the studio this morning so i'm proud of you i'm proud
1: of you uh i like playing golf i played some golf recently with my son up in new south wales but um i'm also uh i also enjoy uh, playing indoor soccer and um i'm about to uh start planning to to get into indoor soccer again i used to play most of my life either outdoor or indoor soccer. So those are some of the things I enjoy doing when I'm not working.
0: And you're totally comfortable with calling it soccer, even though where you come from it's called football. I
1: recognise there'd be a translation (laughs) issue if I talk about football. Football. So uh, I've never had the physique or the skill to play AFL. I think I'd be clattered every every opportunity, so I I tend to, uh, you know...
0: Stick to the ball on the ground. Yeah, I think so,
1: yeah.
0: (laughs) Very good. Well, Peter, today your topic is Can We Know the Future? And Mm. I'm looking forward to getting into this. Um, Before we do, do you want to
1: just uh, recap where we've come from in previous episodes? Yeah, so um, the series we're doing here is called Searching for Certainty, and um, certainly that describes a part of my own uh, journey uh, of uh, looking for certainty uh, in life and uh, in the world around us. And of course, we're constantly being told in news reports that we live uh, in uncertain times. And uh, I think people are looking for something solid, uh, a firm foundation upon which to build, and that's what we're talking about. So we've been looking at questions like Does God exist? Who can you trust? Why is there so much suffering in the world? And uh, we've uh, been looking at evidence for the authority and the reliability of the Bible. And we're going today to talk about, uh, can we know the future? We're going to actually talk about one of the more significant prophecies in the Bible today.
0: So you're not going to be talking about um, astrology or uh, or psychics? <laughs>
1: uh, well, um, I guess, you know, people, when we ask the question, can we know the future, there are a lot of places that people might look. So, you know, uh, most of us will look at the seven-day forecast on the on the TV to find out what the weather's going to be in the mm. next seven days. And uh, that's based on, uh, you know, patterns of weather that we've, you know, examined for years in the past. And we, we assume that because of that, that's what it's going to be in the next few days. But I've noticed that when I examine the seven-day forecast that by the time you get to day seven, it's actually changed significantly from what they're predicting.
2: Wow. Um,
1: but anyway, uh, there are others, of course, that you know, people look at the, the star signs, the astrology. Uh, lots of people want to uh, closely follow the stock market predictions, see if they can make some money. Um, and then, of course, there are self-professed psychics I know that uh, I remember one person saying that they rang up a a psychic helpline one time to to sort of find out what their future was going to be, and the first question was, can I have your credit card details? And uh, the person (laughs) said, well, you're the psychic, can you tell me? (laughs) (laughs) That was a good comeback, I thought. A very good comeback. When we talk about Bible prophecy, uh, which is what we're going to be talking about today, is it's may, maybe a lot of people don't know, there's about 30% of the Bible is predictive prophecy. And the vast majority of that has already been fulfilled. Mm. Therefore, we can go back and have a look at that and see whether it's reliable or not. Um,
0: a question I've got, Peter, is why do you think people want to know the future anyway?
1: Well, I think that, um, you know, we... It's a natural thing. As, as people, as human beings, we're not like animals. Animals live by instinct from day to day. They eat, they sleep, they get up and they do the same thing tomorrow. And uh, sometimes our lives might seem a little bit like that. Mm. But we do plan for the future. We do think about the future. We do want to know, where am I going to be in the next year or next five years or the next ten years? Um, and where is the world going to be? And people look at the world and the conditions of the world. We are looking at the pandemic, of course. Um, and many other elements, and they sort of may be discouraged about where they think the world is heading. Mm. And uh, so I think that people want to be reassured. We, we actually would like hope. We'd like to, to have something to hope in. And uh, if we could know what the future held, then that might give us some hope. So uh, I think that's some of the reason.
0: So where are you going to take us today, Peter?
1: All right. Well, the first thing is um, the Bible itself says uh, this. This is 700 years BC. It was written by the prophet Isaiah, and it's uh, God speaking here in Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. It says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things that are not yet done saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. In other words, God is claiming here in the Bible that he can tell you what's going to happen at the end, even from the beginning. He, hmm. he, God is claiming to be able to tell you what the future holds. And in, in fact, from a biblical perspective, it's one of the attributes that makes God God. It's, it's one of the things that uh, sets God apart uh, from, from everything else, that he, he, he claims to be able to know the future.
0: So uh, we're going to look at another particular passage in the Bible today. We are.
1: There's one verse in the New Testament I just want to read before we look at that, yep. the prophecy itself. It's in John 14, 29, where Jesus is talking to his disciples 2,000 years ago, and he says, Now I have told you before it comes uh, that you that when it does come to pass, you may believe. In other words, this is an interesting uh, passage that it tells us why God does give us prophecy. It's not just so that we can have the uh, the facts, the knowledge, the details about the future, but rather when we see that future come to pass that God has predicted, then we have confidence in him. That's the purpose of prophecy, and that's why God wants us to understand that he knows the future, and because he knows the future, we can safely place our future in his, in his hands.
0: Yeah so in essence that uh, if if God says he knows the future and he tells us things that are going to happen and they do happen that gives us a a level confidence of confidence
1: in what else he yeah. has to say yeah, yeah sure so our main prophecy is Daniel chapter 2 and people may well like to just jot that down and actually read the whole chapter through mm. for themselves I would encourage them to do that we're going to take some selected verses i'm going to sort of paint the background it it takes place 2600 years ago Uh, That's a long time ago, Mm. 2,600 years, and in actual fact, uh, once we've read through this uh, prophecy, it has perhaps more relevance now, today, than it did 2,600 years ago, because 2,600 years ago, this was a prophecy, today, the majority of it is history. Um, and we're going to take a look at how that develops it actually takes place in uh, the country we know today as Iraq Mm. and Iraq of course makes the news uh, occasionally still for all the wrong reasons because there's been two Gulf Wars there over the last 30 years and so but um, Many will, many of our listeners will remember that uh, Saddam Hussein was the the ruler of Iraq uh, for quite some time before that Second Gulf War, and Saddam Hussein, when he was ruler there, he uh, commissioned a painting that he had uh, hanging in his summer palace uh, there in Iraq, and it was a painting that had him on the left hand side and on the right hand side. Uh, you had another figure, which is was King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of that region 2,600 years ago. And it's uh, the backdrop of the painting also has some features of the ancient city of Babylon, mm. because King Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon 2,600 years ago.
0: And Babylon was centred uh, in like this the modern southern Iraq area. Isn't Correct.
1: That? So there's Mesopotamia, which mm. really means the land between the rivers, and you've got the Tigris and the Euphrates. The, the city of Babylon uh, sat on the river Euphrates. It, it, the river actually flowed through the city, um, and it was, it was the number one city of, of its time. It was the empire of its time. It was the dominant force. Um, the uh, Babylonians had recently defeated the Egyptians in a battle, um, and they were the dominant power of the time. Mm. And so what happens is King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream he has a dream and he wakes up from this dream and he knows the dream is significant but he cannot remember the details. And maybe some of our listeners have had that experience where you, you have a dream and you, you, maybe you remember it for five minutes and then it disappears from your memory. Mm. Uh, it's happened to me.
0: Most of my dreams, uh, I think I've uh, said this before on him, but most of my dreams I, I just completely forget entirely. So
1: Okay, there you go. Mm. I remember waking up one time uh, from a very vivid dream that seemed very real And I was panicking and then realised 20 minutes later that it was only a dream. And that was very, (laughs) very reassuring. (laughs) So we're going to look at the details of this dream uh, in a moment, but I think we're going to take a break.
0: Yeah, let's uh, listen to this song. It's actually called The King Dreams. It's about this dream that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had uh, by Neville Peter. Krista Deanna Mitchell, Brian Sylvester and David Kim. There's a few uh, musicians involved. And uh, you were telling me earlier, Peter, that you actually know Neville Peter.
1: I do. Well, I've met him. Oh, you've met
0: him. Yes. not, Not know him, but yeah, you've met him. Let's have a listen. The King Dreams.
3: In the ancient land, Chaldea, in the mind of a troubled king, came a dream of power and meaning.
4: Yet the dreamer forgot everything. But another who dreams of our future will never forget what he sees. So let's believe this dreamer, please. The forget was Nebuchadnezzar
3: Who called his magicians in But they couldn't see much there And they trembled with fear
4: and chagrin Oh children remember the spirit Who knows every dream we've dreamed Who tells us we are highly
3: future
4: King and, say. and the king of the cosmos painted A dream in the hours of night And shed in the mind of the pro
0: listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. Now, later in the program, we're going to have an offer. And to take advantage of that offer, it's a uh, little booklet that you can text us in and receive that in the post. But to do that, we need to give you the number. And the number is 0488 880 That's 0488 880 Now, that song we were just listening to was about the king dreams, and uh, what was uh, this dream all about, This, this king Nebuchadnezzar? He had
1: this dream. Okay, so as we mentioned, he had this dream. He couldn't remember the details. He calls in his wise men. He had a lot of wise men in Babylon who would come. They were astrologers and magicians and... Uh, all sorts of different people. And, uh, he said, I want you to tell me what my dream was about. And they said, well, if you tell us what you dreamt, we'll give you an interpretation. Um, and he said, yes, but I, I, I want you to tell me what the dream was and then I'll know for sure that you can give me the interpretation. And of course they said, well, nobody can. Do that, you know. I mean, mm. he, he kind of, uh, you know, caught them out because if you tell me one of your dreams, I could give you interpretation, but you wouldn't know whether it was going to be, re- you know, true or not. And uh, the the king got mad. He had an anger management pro- uh, problem, <laughs> and he threatened to kill them all. And uh, there was at that time two thousand six hundred years ago. There were many Jews living in Babylon because they had been taken captive from Jerusalem and taken to Babylon and one of them was a man called Daniel from whom the name of the book of Daniel is taken and uh, he came uh, to the king and he said um, you know can I give me time I'm going to pray to the God of heaven the God of the Bible and uh, he prayed uh, that God would give him the same dream and God gave him the same dream and so he comes in and he tells the king what he dreamt and essentially um, he says this now this is uh daniel 228 if you'd like to read that jason it
0: says but there is a god in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to king nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these
1: okay so he he, he tells the king that the god of heaven uh, has revealed secrets to the king and made known to him what will be in the latter days. That, that That's uh, shorthand for the end of time, mm. essentially. Um, he goes on from uh, verse 31. We'll go to verse one, uh, 31 to
0: 33. It says, You, O king, were watching, and behold a great image. This great image, whose splendour was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay.
1: All right, thank you. So he basically describes this image or statue that is made up of different metals, golden head, chest of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, legs of iron, feet, iron and clay. And then he goes on in 34 to 35 to describe what happens next.
0: You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together, and became like chaff from the summer threshing-floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth.
1: All right. So it says that this stone, this great stone that comes and strikes the image on its feet at its feet. This stone, it says, was cut out without hands. That's a strange kind of phrase that really means a supernatural stone. It's not a human, it's not a man-made stone. This mm. was not carved by human beings. Mm. So this is a supernatural stone that comes and hits the feet. So the king uh, hears this and he's quite impressed. He says, yes, that's it. That's what I dreamt. Um, But then he's basically saying, but what does it mean? (laughs) You know, it's one thing to know uh, what it says, but another to know uh, what it means. And towards the end of, uh, I think it's Daniel 37, um, 38, sorry, the end of 38. Uh, Basically, Daniel says to the king, uh, you know, God has given you this uh, great kingdom, uh, you know, that you rule over and lots of people are dependent upon you. And he says at the end of Daniel 238, you are this head of gold. Mm. So in other words, King Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon is the what is represented by that head of gold. And that makes sense because um, even the city of Babylon in ancient times was known as a city of gold. We could go to Isaiah 14, verse 4, where it says, You will take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say how the oppressor has ceased, the golden city ceased. So even the Bible calls Babylon the golden city. Mm. And so it was a fitting tribute because uh, Babylon was... A enormous city compared to cities of that day, um, and so it was uh, a significant uh, city of its time, as I said, it was the central the major empire of its time. Mm. And so um, we, you know, many people may have uh, heard of the seven wonders of the ancient world, one of which was the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. People will have remembered that. If you go to the Berlin Museum today, you can see the gold and blue tiles that they have recovered from the ruins of Babylon. And there you can find the, the Ishtar Gate, uh, reconstructed, which was one of the central features of the city of Babylon. And so uh, this head of gold of the statue represented the kingdom of Babylon. But, of course, the prophecy didn't end there. Daniel continues on, and maybe you could read verse 39 of Daniel chapter 2.
0: It says, But after you, sh- but after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours then another. A third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth,
1: so he says that uh, after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, first of all, Nebuchadnezzar wouldn 't have been impressed by the fact that there was going to be another kingdom yeah secondarily he doesn 't want his kingdom replaced by one that 's inferior to his, you mm. know because that it really is adding insults it's an insult yeah, to injury. Um, but, you know, we've found, uh, archaeologists have found, uh, many bricks in the ruins of Babylon that contain an imprint, uh, from Nebuchadnezzar. And, uh, it says in there that he, he established his name and his reign forever. He wanted Babylon to last forever. And so this would have come as a bit of a shock. Actually, the fall of Babylon is described in Daniel chapter five, where Belshazzar, who is the king of Babylon, uh, he is there and there's the, the, the phrase, the writing on the wall that mm. we, we often use, it comes from Daniel chapter 5 and it describes the fall of Babylon at that time to the Medes and the Persians. And the Medes and the Persians were being led by Cyrus the Great. And uh, again, in the British Museum, there is uh, the Cyrus Cylinder, which uh, talks about the fall of Babylon to the Persians. And uh, it actually occurred on the night of the 13th of October, 539 BC, uh, where, in fact, the Persians were outside the city of Babylon and... Um, The King Belshazzar had thrown this great party for a lot of his officials and uh, the Persians redirected the river Euphrates. They dammed up the river and they marched into the city uh, through the riverbank into the city of Babylon and it fell in that night. Um, What's fascinating about this too, and this is another prophecy that we could talk about, 150 years before Cyrus was born. He is named in the Bible Mm. as the person who's going to overthrow uh, Babylon. The Bible says in Isaiah 45, verse 1, that says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. And so Cyrus um, conquered the city of Babylon and the Persians, the Medes and the Persians became the ruling uh, empire thereafter.
0: That's uh, a pretty fascinating set of uh, prophecies there. Two, co- well, covering multiple nations, multiple mm, time periods.
1: A couple of years ago, I um, before the pandemic, I had the privilege of flying over to Iran and spent a week there, uh, and went to Pasargadae, where you can find the tomb of Cyrus. And uh, Cyrus is kind of very much regarded as the father of the nation. Mm. Um, and Iranians, I used to work with an Iranian. Uh, when I was working in the restaurant business. And uh, he was a very, you know, striking, tall, good-looking man. Um, But he said, I'm not Iranian, I'm Persian. (laughs) He was very proud of his Persian heritage Mm. and uh, many of the people there are.
0: Mm. Well, we've got a question for our listeners today. If you could know the future, what would you like to know and why? You can text us in, 0488-880-891. If you could know the future, what would you like to know and why? 488 891 We're going to go to our next song. Uh, this song is, How Did He Know?, and uh, it's actually a song that um, I wrote quite some time ago with uh, Dave Edgren and uh, he wrote the words and then just uh, a year or two ago I revisited the song and rewrote parts of it, so how did he know?
5: Jesus will
0: how did he know by and Jason
1: <laughs> Jason Cook
0: yeah um, good song yeah welcome back to Faith FM you're listening to Tassie Encounters and our series today Search for Certainty with Peter Watts now Peter you were talking earlier about the, the Babylonian Empire and then followed by the Persian Empire uh, in this prophecy it goes
1: on what happens next Okay, so um, we talked about the fact that um, Babylon would be replaced by the the Medes and the Persians. Uh, Probably not too many uh, people know about the Medes, but they will have heard about the Persians. You know, we think about Persian rugs and Persian cats and the Persian Gulf. So people are are well familiar with that Hmm. name. But that would not last forever either. So I'm going to get you to reread Daniel 2.39.
0: It says, But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another... Then a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth.
1: All right. So this third kingdom of bronze represents that kingdom which would overthrow and replace the Persian kingdom. And that, of course, was the kingdom of Greece under the leadership of Alexander the Great.
2: Mm.
1: Alexander the Great is regarded as one of the, the great military geniuses of history. Uh, now, that's not to say um, that you know, this should be glorified because he killed a lot of people mm. uh, in his conquest. But he, uh, when he came to power his father uh, died. He was aged 20. And in the next 12 years, he conquered the territory from uh, Macedonia all the way through to Egypt and then all the way east to India. And uh, he was in a, sh- in a few short years and, and he ended up uh, dying in the city of Babylon, actually. He he um, came uh, back from India, got to the city of Babylon and he ended up dying there at the age of 32, 33 um, and then, of course, his generals uh, took over the empire. But um, historians have been, um, you know, they, they've noted the remarkable rise of Alexander the Great and the mm. way in which the Greek empire was was able to overthrow the Persians and to, to dominate. Um, but it doesn't end there, of course. There is uh, another verse. So, So the third kingdom. So here's Daniel. Delivering this uh, explanation, this interpretation to King Nebuchadnezzar of this statue, the, the head of gold was on the, the chest was uh, silver and that represented the Medes and the Persians, then the bronze uh, thighs and belly of bronze represented the Greek Empire. But it continues in verse 40.
0: It says, And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all others.
1: All right. And this uh, iron, uh, the iron legs, this next empire, this next kingdom that uh, overthrows uh, the Greeks is, of course, the Roman Empire. And uh, the Roman Empire ruled from 168 B.C through to 476 AD, over 600 years. And uh, we are still influenced by the Romans today. There's uh, still uh, Roman influence, uh, you know, even in Australian... uh, politics, we have a Senate, uh, mm. which they had in, in Rome as well, of mm. course. But um, uh, the Roman Empire, you know, they used iron. They, they uh, had iron swords. And uh, if we think about the time of, Cri- of Christ, uh, when he was crucified, they, uh, there was an iron spear stuck in his side. There were iron nails that were uh, pinning him to, to the cross, and iron was the, the metal used. It's kind of interesting, if you think about, uh, we talked about Babylon being the city of gold. Uh, Medo-Persia, uh, silver was their currency. And I've been to, as I said, a couple of years ago, I went to I- Iran and went to some of the museums there and they've got a lot of silver artefacts from the time of the Persian Empire. Um, you go, uh, obviously, with Greece, um, they, they used uh, bronze uh, as in their swords and so forth. And uh, when you come to uh, Rome, uh, they used iron. But there's uh, an interesting quote here from Edward Gibbon uh, in his volume, The the History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire Uh, he writes, he says the images of gold or silver or brass that might serve to represent the nations and their kings were successfully broken by the iron monarchy of Rome, so here is a historian. He's using biblical language mm. to describe the fact that Rome has now come into power. It's interesting from a um, a, a spiritual um, or a religious point of view. There was a Christian um, in Rome, uh, Hippolytus, who lived in uh, the late second century, and uh, he wrote, "Rejoice, blessed Daniel! You have not been in error. All these things have come to pass." Already the iron rules, already it subdues and breaks in pieces. So here's a man who's living in, in the heart of the Roman Empire, um, and he is looking back on this prophecy from his perspective, uh, late second century, and he's saying, Daniel, you got it right so far. Mm. Um, and, of course, there is more to say and there's more prophecy for us to, to share. I want to ask you to read maybe um, 41 to 43 of Daniel chapter 2.
0: Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay.
1: All right, so this is significant because now what it says is the kingdom shall be divided. So far we've had the kingdom of Babylon, followed by the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians, followed by the Greeks, followed by the Romans. But then there is a change of direction because if you and I were going to predict what would happen next, we would probably say, well, another kingdom will come along and uh, replace the Romans, and, and there'll be another kingdom, and then maybe another, and, and so forth. But the, the prophecy itself says, the kingdom shall be divided. And it'll be partly strong and partly fragile, just like iron is mixed with clay. Um, It also says something significant that they would um, mingle with the seed of men. That means that they would intermarry in order to to unite. But the Bible says that these kingdoms will be divided. And what's fascinating, it says that this will be divided all the way up until that stone cut out without hands, that supernatural stone strikes the image. So that means that you have uh, this division of the kingdoms lasting all the way up to the end, mm. and we'll describe what that stone means. And effectively, when we look at the, uh, the history of the world, when the fall of Rome occurs around 476 A.D., what you find is it's not replaced by any other, another empire, but rather it crumbles and falls to pieces and the peoples over which it ruled rose up and formed what we would call the nations of Europe today. Mm. Uh, so the Franks, for instance, became the French and the Alamanni became the Germans and the Anglo-Saxons became, became the English. Um, and then you find in the succeeding years, There have been many attempts in the succeeding centuries, many attempts have have been made in order to reunite these divided kingdoms, but uh, they've all failed and the kingdoms continue to remain uh, divided. And uh, probably the first of these was Charlemagne uh, in the uh, 8th century, where he uh, formed the Holy Roman Empire. And uh, some commentators have said, well, it wasn't holy, it wasn't Roman, it wasn't really an empire. Uh, But he wanted to try and forge the the Roman Empire back together again on religious grounds. Mm. Um, And, uh, of course, uh, he he ended up failing in that attempt. And many other attempts were made. And we'll talk about some of those uh, after the break.
0: Okay, before we go to the break, I want to give you more information about our offer for today. It's a booklet titled The History of Tomorrow, Some Things Will Never Change, by Julian Archer. Uh, The History of Tomorrow reveals Earth's last 2,600 years through the eyes of the kings, prophets, popes and presidents. It unveils a pattern in the timeline of history and exposes an event that will soon permanently alter the face of our planet. The History of Tomorrow is a foundational resource for anyone who seeks to understand the tectonic movements that are shaping geopolitics, religion and economics today. It's a fascinating title, The History of Tomorrow, because yeah, it's sort it's, of uh, contradictory.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> it's yeah, it's a it's a little book, but it's a great little book and I think people will be uh you know be blessed by it if they uh take that um Free offer up. Yeah,
0: and it's only uh, a, a tiny little book like... Um, just a small booklet. Just uh, 20 or 30 pages. Uh 880 is the number. And right after this song, we'll give you the code uh, for this book that we can send out to you. We're going to go to a song now with Anna Weatherup, Because He Lives. God
6: sent his son. They called him Jesus He came to love heal and forgive He lived and died To buy my pardon An empty grave is there Savior lives Because he lives I can face Tomorrow Because he lives All fear is gone Because I know Yes I know Your feel the pride and joy he by greatest end the calmest soar this child can face uncertain days because he tomorrow because he lives our fear is gone because I know Because he lives
0: he lives by Anna Weatherup. Now I promise the code for our offer today is search and the number seven. That's search seven, no spaces. You can text that into zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one for the booklet, the history of tomorrow. Now, Peter, we're on our home stretch, and you've got lots to share.
1: Mm, okay, so we talked about the fact that you've got Babylon, the head of gold; the chest and arms of silver were Persia; the belly and thighs of bronze uh, were Greece the legs of iron represented the roman empire it then um collapsed and you have these divided kingdoms and the the bible is super accurate when you think about it this is 2600 bc mm. sorry 600 BC 2600 years ago and uh, like I said we might expect another empire to come in after Rome but no it said it would be divided many attempts were made to reunite it we talked about Charlemagne Charles V was another who tried to reunite Europe Napoleon Napoleon Wanted to reunite uh, Europe. He he said, "I wanted to found a European system, a European code of laws, a European judiciary. There would have been but one people throughout Europe. This was his idea, and uh, of course, he failed at the Battle of Waterloo. And most people know the song, you know, uh, the ABBA song, uh, Waterloo. Uh, Napoleon at Waterloo. Napoleon was defeated, mm. you know, or did surrender." So they remained divided. You come to the time of the First World War, Kaiser Wilhelm. Um, In many ways, people said the the First World War was really a big family feud because um, almost all of the um, monarchs in Europe were related at that time. Mm. It's interesting that the Bible says that they will mingle with the seed of men. They will intermarry intermarry. in order to form alliances. And we can understand that if you get... Uh, a princess marrying a prince from another nation, that forms a bond between these two nations. And they thought that if this is the case, then, you know, that will prevent us from going to war. Well, it didn't prevent mm-hmm. them from going to war. And we have the First World War. Um, and then, of course, we come to Adolf Hitler. Mm-hmm. Adolf Hitler wanted to form a, a reign of a thousand years. And he uh, said there should be one people, one empire and one leader, and uh, there's no guessing which leader he, he thought it should be. Should, yep. should be. There's an interesting story out of the Second World War. Um, there's a, uh, um, a couple of years ago, I went to a seminar, and it was uh, being run by Michael Hasel, who's a, an archaeologist at uh, an av- uh, a university in uh, the USA. Uh, but his grandfather was uh, in the Second World War. His grandfather was a German. And uh, he was drafted into the German army. He was part of a bridge-building unit um, that would go in advance of the army, particularly on the uh, eastern front uh, towards Russia. Uh, and they would build bridges in order for the army to, to roll across. Well, uh, Franz Hauser was a, um, a Christian, and uh, he was, you know, given a, a, a pistol and in, in his holster. But he was so conscientious that he didn't want to kill another human being. So he made a pistol out of wood, uh, put black po- a boot polish on it, put it in his holster. So people thought he'd still got his gun. He threw his gu- gun in the lake. Mm. Um, so he went through the Second World War unarmed, uh, trusting that God would protect him through that war. Um, he uh, actually. Um, there were twelve hundred men in his unit, and only seven of them survived the war and He was one of them mm. so um, anyway, uh, one day he was regularly reading his Bible, and a lot of the men in the platoon would you know give him a hard time about that, but his commanding officer asked him one day, "Hazel, do you think we will win the war and This was towards the end of the war. And uh, Hasel says, I do not believe we can win this war. And he had a postcard with this Daniel chapter two image on it, this statue with the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron and the iron and the clay. And he he went through this prophecy with that um, commanding officer. And uh, because of that, they put supplies aside and were able to withdraw and get back to Germany after the war. Uh, because of preparations that were made because of this prophecy being explained. But time and time again, um, attempts have been made to reunite Europe, but they uh, remain divided. We could think about the European Union. Um, in 2005, there was a treaty uh, that was voted upon in France to bring the European Union even closer together, and the French voted no. Uh, in 2008, uh, the a, a new treaty was drafted and they put it before the Irish people. In 2008, the Irish voted no. Um, and then, of course, most people will reme- remember the, the recent history of Brexit. Um, now, Boris Johnson in 2016 was a Conservative MP. He had been the Lord Mayor of uh, London, um, but he was a Conservative MP, a backbencher and uh, he was uh, voicing his support for Brexit uh, and about a month before Brexit took place or before, before the vote took place, um, this was reported in BBC News. It says, speaking to the Sunday Telegraph, Mr Johnson said European history had seen repeated attempts to rediscover the golden age of peace and prosperity under the Romans. He said Napoleon, Hitler, various people tried this out and it ends tragically. The EU is an attempt to do this by different methods, he said. And he was proposing that Britain got out of Europe. And, of course, on the 23rd of June 2016, a referendum was held, and by 51%, the British people voted to exit Europe. Uh, And after much struggle, finally, uh, Britain exited uh, the EU uh, on the 31st of January uh, 2020. And uh, they even struck a commemorative coin um, to to commemorate Brexit, but the point is, the Bible says that they will not cling to one another; they will not stick together; they will not adhere to one another. The kingdom will be divided, and it's fascinating. Last year, when we had uh, you know the beginnings of COVID, mm. all the European nations suddenly found their borders again, mm. and they closed them. Yeah. You know, this European Union wasn't standing the strength of, of of the COVID stress, and so uh, they will be divided. What's fascinating to me is at the end of this prophecy you have this stone which represents the kingdom of God, the second coming of Christ. And uh, at the end of it, Daniel says to the king, the dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. And uh, that's something that we can put um, great confidence in, that the dream is certain and the interpretation is sure.
0: So, Peter, are you going to talk next week uh, more about uh, this this stone that came yeah, down? Yes, so this yeah. stone
1: represents the second coming of Christ. And people wonder, well, when is that going to happen? Mm. Next week, we're going to talk about signs of the times. How close are we to the second coming of Christ?
0: Awesome. We'll look forward to that. Now, just remember our code for today's book, the booklet, The History of Tomorrow, is search 7. Just search seven, no spaces, text that into 0488 Uh Tomorrow we've got David Maxwell with us, and uh, he'll be continuing his series on Amazing Love, and his title is just called Sheep. I'll be fascinated to find out what he's going to be talking about sheep. Uh, I think Tasmania is not a bad place to be talking about sheep because we've got a lot here, just like uh, I've New seen Zealand. A few of them. <laughs> There's a few around. So I'll be keen to, uh, to hear what he's got to say. So we hope you can join us tomorrow uh, with David Maxwell and uh, with amazing love. Uh, we're going to go out now with uh, our song here, We've Got This Hope. It's a beautiful song by Ellie Holcomb.